You're listening to Under a Pile of Books, and in this episode, I sit down with Alicia Wanstall-Burke, author of Blood of Heirs and the newly released Legacy of Ghosts. We have a wonderful conversation about her experience becoming a Spiffbo finalist with Blood of Heirs, some of what motivates her to write, and some of what she loves about fantasy generally. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Alicia Wanstall-Burke, author of Blood of Heirs and the recently released Legacy of Ghosts. And Blood of Heirs, if you haven't realized this, is currently a Spiffbo finalist. So congratulations and welcome, Alicia. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being willing to uh, to come on and, and, and talk with me. That's all right. It's a little bit easier now that I'm in the UK. Time zones are a bit easier yeah, to right. deal with. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It lets us, uh, we're, there, there aren't as many hours in between. Uh, no so. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's amazing uh, technology and, and the ability to talk with authors from all over the planet. It's been a really cool opportunity for me. And one of the things I always like to to ask and just kind of as a get to know you sort of question is what inspired you to become a writer? Uh, I think I was one of those really annoying kids who just made up stories all the time. Um, I would go and watch a movie and then I'm walking out of the movie, like imagining the sequel, like writing the <laughs> sequel in my head. And um, my parents have boxes of really embarrassing home videos where I'm walking around with their gigantic video camera, filming myself and making up, you know, little movies and things like that. And I think I went through a phase where I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be an actor. And then, oh, that's that looks a bit hard. Um, I'll be a director because um, it was all about telling stories. That's all mm. it was ever about. And then um, I went on a family holiday to New Zealand the Christmas that the first Lord of the Rings film came out and we watched it there and there was a lot of um, areas around where we were staying with my mum's aunt who uh, where they, they filmed a lot of things and my brain just kind of exploded. It, it just I, I had to start writing things down because I had nothing else I, I had no other way of capturing what was in my head mm. and um, my grandparents gave like got me this really old laptop for me to write on when I was in high school and I just never stopped it, it was like I just couldn't stop the the things coming out and I mean they were terrible <laughs> they were absolute rubbish but <laughs> It's okay for it to be rubbish. It needs to be rubbish because you don't learn otherwise. So I just started doing that when I was about 15 and I never really stopped. So um, I think my parents probably would have liked me to have stopped and, and you know, maybe been a, a bit more normal. But um, I think, they're, I think they're, they're okay with it now that I've actually got books out. Like they can point to it and go, yeah, she's actually done something with that, that <laughs> phase that she went through. So, yeah, that's kind of where it started. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, that's really cool. And, and, you know, normal has always been overrated, right? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> what even is that? Right. It's yeah. so boring. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So, now you you referenced, you know, now that, now that you kind of have some books out there and whatnot. And, uh, of course, as I mentioned, uh, one of your books uh, is a current Spiffbo finalist, Blood of Heirs. So, uh, congrats on that. Thank um, you. 
And how how did you discover Spiffbo and or SPFBO if you if you prefer? But uh, but how did you discover it? And what has been the what's the ride been like? I think I seem to remember. Really, like I guess what we've had five. This is the fifth Spiffbo mm-hmm. now. So five, six years ago, uh, I remember um, Mark Lawrence posting about wanting um, interested bloggers to to kind of throw their hat in the ring. And I have like a little blog on my website. It's it's not much. It's just me kind of vomiting out thoughts on things. And um, I, I remember that kind of really embryonic stage of it um Mm. I was nowhere near having anything that would be classed as a book and at that stage I was angling towards wanting to be traditionally published and when once once Blood of Ez did come out um people were saying oh you should put it in Spiffbo you should put it in Spiffbo and I'm like okay and it kind of came out at the end of Spiffbo 4 so right right obviously wasn't going to be eligible for that one so we I remember we, Graham and I were sitting on the phone to each other like he's in the UK I'm in, I'm in Australia and we're like okay are we on the right time zone have we figured out like what when we're supposed to be entering these books because we both put a book in and um yeah. it was just I didn't think it would go anywhere I mean it would have it was it was always like it would be nice to be a semi-finalist you know have a nod to the book being good you know, tick, tick mm-hmm. in the box. Mm-hmm. Your, your book is good. It was a semi-finalist. And then it became a finalist, finalist. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? What just happened? And it was just, it all happened like in this one week where my second book was coming out the next day. The Blood of Ez got announced as a finalist on the Friday. Legacy came out on the Saturday. Blood of Ez was free for five days. I was literally leaving central Queensland to move to the UK for six months. It was just such a hectic week and my social media exploded. I think my phone melted down three or four times. It was just, it was completely bonkers and I'm still not quite sure why it's in there. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's that imposter syndrome of like, I must have just snuck in. Like, I, I'm not supposed to be here. Someone's going to figure me out and be like, hey, you don't have your, your, your membership cards out of date or something and you need to, <laughs> you need to leave. You're not one of us. Off you go. Because um, there's so many really great books in there and some of them have been out a lot longer than mine and probably have a lot more reviews and a lot more good reviews. But, you know, it's, you know, obviously it was, it was good enough to get through and that's still shocking to me. I'm, I'm still not not quite processing that yet yeah well i mean it's 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 in there because it's good and it's enjoyable (laughs) and it's awesome so (laughs) 10 points to gryffindor (laughs) sorry that's right that's right yeah oh man um so you know it's always it's always kind of interesting to uh to hear how different people have discovered this uh competition and and whatnot and i you know as a reader and reviewer i love it because it puts so much on uh, my radar mm. but i actually read uh blood of airs uh i think beginning of this year or very end of last, right after it had uh come out uh yeah, and it was ages ago. 
and uh, I, I really I, I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit, and it's not surprising to me that it's a, a finalist at all. But one of <laughs> one of the things that for me really um, it's just kind of a neat aspect is the the series certainly Blood of Airs and and the the general theme kind of follows through with. A legacy of ghosts as well but it really turns on uh i guess what i might call family issues right yep. we've got we've got estranged sons and daughters or or ambitious or protective mothers the the hope of finding a family to love you right all this kind of this kind of stuff and i'm curious to know is that a theme you deliberately planned into the story or did it sort of arise as you as you wrote I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I was intrigued by the Icelandic sagas and how they, in a way, formed a basis and an and a inspiration for um, Tolkien's basically cracking open of, of, of fantasy as a genre because that's mm. where he came from as a linguist. Um those stories, those sagas are traced. People can trace their families back into these sagas. Like these, these, these are stories about real people, but they also have fantastical elements about them that have been imbued through time. And, and, and I wanted to write, I had a name, I had Laden's name and I had an empty spot on the map that there was nothing there. I hadn't extended the map that far. And then I went through, and um, just started exploring, like, well, who are you? What's your name? Where are you from? What's your family like? And that started to build this this interesting dynamic of this character isn't just somebody who's living with, you know, a good family life. You know, she, she doesn't have, you know, two loving parents and everything's all hunky-dory and, you know, just a normal what we would call a nuclear family. And there's all of, you know, there's there's outside plot conflicts that are going on, but families are not what we look at and go, oh, look at that, you know, nice Hallmark card family. <laughs> families are complicated and messy and, mm-hmm. you know, it's itchy and scratchy and they're just, they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're groups of people who are forced together by, by circumstance and blood, but that doesn't mean that everyone gets along. And that part kind of came out more, more organically. Um who they were and where they're from and, and, and what's going on in their, <clears throat> in their personal lives. Um, but I also wanted to write a story about young people who thought they knew what their future was and thought they knew who they were and what they were supposed to do with their lives. And when you throw in a curveball and say, nope, sorry, that's not going to happen, um, they then that causes all sorts of conflicts within themselves within their family groups and you work out through those circles and that's just kind of how it grew up from that so yeah that's kind of where that came from (laughs) yeah i know i love and 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 that you know the 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 conflict i think there uh because it's both internal and and external uh it, it just it really works and it it creates these characters that you really care about uh and and really care about actually quite uh, quite early in the novel right you, you 
you know, sometimes when, when you're reading a book or whatnot, it takes a while to, to kind of feel like you like the characters or you care about the characters or know yeah. enough about them or whatever. And I think with, with blood of errors actually quite early on in, uh, in the, in the book, in the story, uh, we, we care about the two uh, main characters and are invested in them. And I think that comes from what you were talking about there, that internal conflict that kind of ripples outward um, to, to all the other aspects. Um, And actually speaking of the, the characters in blood of airs, the, the two main characters, Leiden and ran almost function as foils for one another. And I thought this was really interesting when I read uh, blood of airs, because they they really tell two similar but unique and 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 separate coming of age tales. So, uh, how did you go about shaping that that sort of aspect of the story where you really have two characters who are going through a, a similar thing, but it doesn't feel repetitive in any way in uh, you know in in the novel? Um, I mean, I'm I'm a painful planner. Um. I oh, okay. pulled out a yep. whole pile of stuff that I brought over with me um, and just exploded it all over the living room last night. And going, like, what <laughs> is this? And I'm like, oh, that's the calendar that charts like the seasons and like when it's midsummer and when this chapter happens and whether it's a full moon. He's like, that's a little bit too much planning for me. <laughs> like, but I can't function without that. But yeah, that said, once I kind of knew who the characters were and I knew what the conflict, you know, the main kind of conflict was going to be and what my world was and, and how my world functioned, I kind of just hit play and off I go. And mm. the rest of it, like the dynamic between the, the fact that, that they kind of bounce off each other a little bit, that was not intentional. Like there's a lot of stuff that oh, interesting. in the books that, that, I didn't plan there's characters that were supposed to be like in there for a chapter and they're now major characters that exist throughout both books and will exist throughout the the trilogy. They were not supposed to be major characters. They (laughs) they just weren't. um, They just take over um, and they kind of, they, they stamp their feet and make them, you know, presence known. Um, But yeah, no, there was no sort of great amount of planning around, you know, Lydon's going to do this and Rand's going to do this and then they're going to experience this and that and that. That just kind of happened as I followed them around. And a lot of the time it is like I'm just in a room with them, sort of like a reality TV camera, just watching what they're doing. And, and they when they don't want to talk to me, they don't talk to me. They didn't talk <laughs> to me after Blood of Airs. Like it was months, months and months and months after I finished writing Blood of Airs and they were like, no, we're not talking to you. You, you, did you see what you did to us? Like, I'm talking to you right now. We need a break. And I was, yeah, I was annoyed because they wouldn't talk to me. Um, they haven't been talking to me much since I finished Legacy either. But now there's certain characters who are starting to pop back in and be like, hey, you know, what's going on? So, yeah, it's that weird kind of organic mix between, I think people think planning is you must, you know, you have chapter by chapter, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. I have notes and, you know, reams of notes of stuff that I thought was going to happen in Legacy and it just didn't, I didn't get there. Mm -hmm. The story Mm -hmm. went off on a different angle and that was 
where it had to go. That that was its organic growth into the story that it needed to be. And you have to have enough flexibility to follow that. And if you need to pull it back a little bit, you can. Like I tried to change Rand's personality because he's a bit of a whiny bitch in Blood of Hairs. He's yeah, annoying. Yeah. And I couldn't. Like no matter what I did, he was him. And I there was nothing I could do about it. I didn't want him to be like that. And there's so many people who are like, I don't like Rand. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I don't like him either. <laughs> He's, he is a bit annoying, but that's who he is. And I can't do anything about that. So, yeah, it's one of those weird kind of organic mixes between plotting and, and pantsing. Yeah, sure, sure. And there's just this whatever whatever the the perfect kind of cocktail is for that particular story and, and that particular writer, it's, it's, it, to me, it's always fascinating how, uh, sometimes these things and stories just, it, it, they just kind of come together as a, as a result of, like I said, whatever the particular cocktail is for that writer and story. So, um, yeah. but, I, but I love it and I love hearing about that. Um, now shifting gears a little bit, um, because, uh, obviously, Blood of Air's first book in the trilogy and current uh, Spiffbo finalist, but Legacy of Ghosts uh, released uh, not even a month ago, right? Two, three weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been. Um, so, my my question on this is, and uh, again, I don't I don't want to get into like a bunch of spoilers or anything, but do you have like a favorite arc or a favorite scene in uh, legacy of ghosts? There are scenes that I knew had to happen about a year before I actually wrote them. And it made me sick to Mm -hmm. think about them. I didn't want, to have to do that I didn't want that to be where the story went and I just I had no choice again it was something that that I I didn't have control over um I really like how the relationship between Lydon and her mother progresses and changes um it had the potential to just be a continuation of their relationship in Blood of Airs but it the dynamic switches from a girl who is 13 to a girl who is 17. And she's considered very close to being a woman in her own culture at that age. Um, she's a first daughter, so she's a year off being matched. Uh, if she were what they call a minor daughter, in so like a second or third child, they can be married when they're 15. But the, the first children, they can't marry until they're 18 um so she's she's got a lot more agency than she yeah. did in the mm-hmm. first book and that when you have a mother who is as controlling and as strong-willed and as aggressive as Selen, and then you start to put that up against somebody who is also coming into their own finding their own feet has found a place within their own life where they've got control and where they've got space to be themselves it starts that that butting up against each other starts to become a lot more dynamic um and Selen doesn't really respond very well to that but she doesn't really know (laughs) how to respond to it she's like I can't do the things that I would normally have done 
um, my old tactics don't work anymore. And so exploring how that shift was going to happen was really interesting. Um, Ran having to work with other people, having to negotiate with people. Mm, Yeah. You know, he's been living as somebody who isn't a, a prince. You know, he's he's just an average Joe now. Um, so he's having to kind of work out what he wants to do with his life. And um, he gets kind of pushed off the cliff a little bit. He, he doesn't really <laughs> – I don't think he really wants to do it. And then he was like, ah, oh, okay, blitz, off you go. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think I think Laden's arc with her mother is is definitely one that, that I really enjoyed. Um, and I'm really looking forward to some of the characters that I'm going to be working with in the third book because we're going to have a couple of new point of views in, in Empire of Shadows. So that's really exciting because I've spent two two books in the heads of, of two different characters and they're going to be spending a lot more time together in the third book, but we're going to get to explore some, some new people now. So that's mm. really fun. Ooh, yeah, that's a fun little... Fun little tease uh, for <laughs> for the third book. So, um, so yeah, thank you. It's always it's 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 always really cool to see uh, kind of what I liked in comparison to maybe what an author's favorite arc was. And I I really like the uh, relationship there, kind of mother daughter, uh, and how that evolves and whatnot. It, that may actually be uh, my my favorite kind of character aspect in. Uh, in Legacy of Ghosts. So, which, by the way, folks, uh, if you've read uh, Blood of Heirs, uh, definitely go pick up Legacy of Ghosts. It's really great and continues the story in some uh, kind of like some unexpected and, and fun kind of directions with some cool uh, twists and whatnot. So, definitely pick it up and, and give it a read. Uh, so, Alicia, if you could have dinner with any character from all of fantasy literature, uh, so anyone, any book, whatever, uh, who would it be? I think it would have to be Bilbo Baggins. Oh, see, I don't think anyone has said Bilbo before. That's interesting. So why? Why? Have you seen his kitchen cupboard? <laughs> like, there's there's more food in there than for an army. Like, and, and just good food. And like, I love the fact that he's so pissed off when those dwarves rock up. He's like, I'm just trying to eat my dinner, guys. <laughs> and then you come in and you clean me out. And I could just imagine like this kind of cozy. I mean, I hit my head on the chandelier all the time because, you know, I'm pretty tall. Hobbit holes, pretty small. <laughs> so I'd kind of be crawling around. But be so worth it to, to just sit there. And especially like an older Bilbo would have so many tales to tell that you yeah. would just sink in and, and just snuggle in and, and gorge yourself while he told endless tales of, of dragons and treasure and elves and, and yeah, scary adventures and rings. <laughs> yeah, right, of course. And rings and rings, you know, really appreciate you uh, spending some time with me today and uh, taking some time out of your schedule to, uh, to do this. So, uh, before we before we go here, where can folks find you uh, online? I'm kind of scattered across most social media platforms because I apparently like to 
you know, hurt myself like that. Um, <laughs> so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, if you want random photos of me and me eating things. And it used to be lots of photos of my cat, but he's living with my parents at the moment. So um, you'll probably be getting a lot of posts about how cold it is in England and how <laughs> the fact that it's not 43 degrees with a smoke haze. Um, I literally wrote G'day mate in ice on the front of the car this morning. So that was quite fun. Um, yeah. So Facey, Twitter, Insta. I've got a website. Don't go on there very much, but it's got book stuff on there, book links, that sort of thing. Both books are on Amazon. You can follow me on Amazon as well. So, yeah, Goodreads. Books are on Goodreads. Review the books on Goodreads. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you've read them, get a review up for them. Uh, authors need those. So, <laughs> we like and I have, one, I, I have one coming for Legacy of Ghosts, I promise. I just have to write it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, well, very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Alicia. That's right. Thank you so much for having me.